I love that C.S. Lewis likens Christian friendship to a feast. He says, A secret master of the ceremonies has been at work. Christ, who said to his disciples, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, can truly say to every group of Christian friends, You have not chosen one another, but I have chosen you for one another. The friendship is not a reward for our discrimination and good taste in finding one another out. It is the instrument by which God reveals to each the beauties of all the others. They are, like all others, derived from him, and then, in a good friendship, increased by him through the friendship itself, so that it is his instrument for creating as well as for revealing. At this feast, it is he who has spread the board, and it is he who has chosen the guests. So today in this conversation, um, part two with Brendan Ashby, we're going to be talking about how God uses our relationships to help us pursue holiness. Friendship is a strong and habitual inclination of two persons to promote the good and happiness of one another, said author Budgegal. Every friend can be a door to a better, more fruitful and joyous life. Enjoy the podcast today. Uh, kind of the going back to that question, how can a young man keep his way pure? It starts with an on fire passion, passionately mm-hmm. de- devotion to God. In love with God. Yes. And uh, I, I read something recently. It was about a young woman. Uh, but it applies to the young men, applies to both. But you should be so in love with God, and maybe this is touching on dating and stuff, but you should be in soul in love with God that somebody else has to find God in order to find you. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, so, and that kind of, I think, applies both in dating and in friendships, which gets to our second thing of how we can um, keep our way pure and is strong, godly friendships. Oh, yes. Uh, The divine writer in 1 Samuel 18, verse 1, said, Now it came about when he had finished speaking to Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knitted to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as himself. As himself. And that that really describes what a godly friendship should be. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the unfortunate things in Facebook culture today is we have watered down friendships and this was happening before Facebook culture, but Facebook culture really just brought it to the forefront. Mm-hmm. We've watered down friendships to mere association. And so if we just know somebody, we just call them friend. Mm-hmm. Um, in the ancient world, C.S. Lewis gets into this in, in, the, four, in the four loves. Very good. But book. in the ancient world, friendship was the highest of all relationships you could be involved in because it was the purest they thought. As C.S. Lewis puts, romantic love, eros in the Greek, on some level wants something from somebody else. And it's not a bad thing. It's, it's part mm-hmm. of that relationship. Mm-hmm. It has uh, a place. Yep. It has a place. Uh, there's the familial love. Uh, but as C.S. Lewis put it on this, and it's just stuck with my mind, mm-hmm. while eros would have naked bodies, friendship mm-hmm. would have naked personalities. Mm-hmm. Friendship right. doesn't care about background, color, wealth, any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just concerned about the other soul sitting in front of them. 
Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, we see this in the garden. The very first thing that God said that wasn't good was the fact that man was living by himself. Good point. And he gave man Eve to not only be a companion first and wife, but that relationship was needed. And, yeah. and so, and what happened with Adam and Eve when they were kicked out of the garden, they had children and more relationships began. We're made to be in community. We're made to have relationships. And so pouring out of that devotion to God, because that is a vertical relationship, mm-hmm. you know, that, that'll spill out into our horizontal relationships. Mm-hmm. The goal just, of our instruction is love from a pure heart, right? Right. And friendship, friendship is an incredibly powerful relationship which also makes it an incredibly dangerous one if we're not careful about our friendships. Mm. There's a reason why Paul said in 1 Corinthians, be not deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. Because we are worshiping creatures, there is a tendency to sometimes make friends into idols Uh uh, and expecting far too much from them. There's a great need for good friendships, especially I would say, I, I think this is more acutely felt with men than it is women. And this, this comes from a book I read recently, uh, Made for Friendship by Drew Hunter, uh, published by Crossway. He described the two different types of, of, relationships, of friendships that are experienced by the two different genders. And that is women tend to do the face-to-face. There's a lot of talking. There's a lot of emotional engagement, that kind of stuff. Where men prefer the shoulder-to-shoulder stuff, doing things mm-hmm. together without mm-hmm. really the talking and, and the digging deep and stuff. We're made for more than that. And when we consider the epidemic of loneliness – Yes. Right now. And the fact that many more Gen Zers than millennials um, have no interest in marriage. Mm -hmm. And part of that, I understand. They were raised in a culture that objectified the opposite sex as a mere cheap commodity. But also they grew up in a generation where 50% divorce rate was the norm. So on one hand, I get why there's this aversion to it. Christians who have strong, healthy marriages need to let that shine. Uh, because it's so rare Mm -hmm. Um, and let people see that you can be married to somebody for 20, 30, 40 years and it'd be a great thriving, healthy relationship. Absolutely. And on the, the second prong of that solution is we need to reclaim the gift that is friendship. What, you know, what do we, what do we mean by good godly friendships? Friendship then, um, it is a high relationship, you know, Jesus in the night, uh, in the garden, I think John, 16 or 17 or so, Jesus says to his apostles, no longer do I call you slaves, but I call you friends. Mm, mm-hmm. So Jesus elevates the relationship there because he now discloses everything that he's going to do. And we, we know that you know, marriage will be done away with in eternity, but friendship is going to persist because Jesus elevates us to be friends. And so there's a special relationship there. You know, we think of the great men of old, the great characters of faith, Abraham was called the friend of God. Mm-hmm. Um, Enoch walked with God and then he was not. What does that mean then? Friendship ultimately would be, it's deep. That is, it, it's not satisfied with the superficial acquaintance. Right, right. Um, uh, friendship is reciprocated. And mm-hmm. maybe an illustration here helps us to recognize this, that sometimes the level of friendship is not matched between two people. And that's not a bad thing. It's right. Just, we need to recognize that. And, and Drew Hunter gave an illustration. You think about the friendship highway. There's like four or five lanes. You can think of it. And the far right lane is, you know, we're, we're brothers from another mother. You know, we're, we're, 
we, we have been together forever and like we are the same soul in two bodies. Mm-hmm. The far left line is acquaintances, like maybe Joe from work that we talked to. And I, I know his wife's name is Linda and he has two kids. Um, but because it's a highway, there's the opportunity to change lanes and grow closer or go farther away. Right. Season of life we're in, that's going to happen. We need to recognize for our own personal, like mental health, when people are shifting to the left lane. Okay. Don't try and force the relationship because it's, again, it's not reciprocated yet. You know, we can make ourselves available, but this is kind of like not pouring too much into somebody that's not going to be reciprocated because you're going to burn yourself out in that. Yeah. On the flip side, we also need to be aware when people are trying to move further into the right lane of they want to grow closer mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe it's not a friendship relationship. Maybe it's a mentor mentee relationship, mm-hmm. but there's something about you that this person's wanting to get to know better. We just need to be in tune with the people in our life because if we're not in tune, we could be a, we could be missing a great friendship because we're not letting that person get over into the right lane. And we could be pouring ourselves into a relationship that's not necessarily healthy for us because mm-hmm. we keep on holding on to a person that's wanting to exit off the highway. Okay, right. Um, so that's part of that. So, but friendships require honesty. They take work. They take vulnerability. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it wasn't just to women that we're told weep with those who weep. I mean, this is to men and women. And so that level of vulnerability. Right. And with that is, we need to recognize the fact you can't be friends with everybody. That's okay. You know, I think the human brain can only maintain uh, 150 stable relationships. Mm. Um, And when you factor in the average size of a congregation, then your own family and your own friends outside that congregation, and depending on how big the group is, you have a limited number of people you can be that close to. Right. Um, There's even a proverb that says... I think a man of many friends comes to ruin. Yes, sir. Thank you, preacher man. Yes. Let's take this in a congregational context. You know, if everyone is committed to reclaiming friendship as, as God designed it, of being this great blessing, because real friendship, you know, it, it tells the truth to each other. It, you know, it, it might, it come, it comes up alongside you and say, Hey, I'm not sure you're, you're going down the right path here. Or maybe you ought to think about doing this differently. It's not blind to each other's faults. It sees each other's faults clearly. Yes. And um, And that approach, that approach that just like you might want to think about, that's what it sounds like. It's be careful or you're better than this. There's a way that there's a way that you correct another person. And the thing is, if you're super tight already, you already know the motive that it's not a competitive thing. It's not a dominance hierarchy move. This is whoa the people that love me the most are the ones who are willing to say, you might want to think about this, or I could be wrong, but could this be something that you're struggling with? You know, Mm -hmm. it's a very humble, but. And that reminds me of Proverbs 27, verse six, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's been some things said by dear friends that hurt in the moment, Mm -hmm. but allowed me to grow and fix things in my life that need to be fixed. I think towards the middle of the second year of my training with Mark, um, I had done a preaching appointment out at Forest Grove. And Guillermo Alvarez, who was the preacher there at the time, um, he's now in Hillsborough, Ohio. So shout out to Guillermo. Appreciate everything he's done. Uh, he texted me, wanted to know if what we want, he, I wanted to get lunch. I'm like, 
broke college student. Yeah, I want to go get lunch. Um, so <laughs> we go to Red Robin. We're talking a little bit, and then food comes and stuff. He says, why are you preaching? I'm like, that's a weird question. Mm, um, mm-hmm. And honestly, I couldn't give a good answer. This is why I got to pay my bills. He says, well, people have been telling me at Forest Grove that your sermons aren't as clear as they used to be. Um, they're getting all muddied and, and you're, you're not you. And at the time I was working through some things and, and the family life and everything else and, you know, stuff we don't have to get into in this podcast. But I remember I walked away from that lunch determined to get back to the clarity I used to have and get the zeal back, mm-hmm. um, which I did. And I am in, eternally indebted to Garamel for doing that because mm-hmm. one, he saw the issue before I did. I wasn't even aware of it. And he took the time to sit down with me and like, hey, you need to know about this. As you may not recognize it, but it's, it's starting to affect things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was, it was what I needed at the time. And I would say that's what real friendship does. Yeah. Uh, and the great thing about this is, you know, C.S. Lewis, again, on friendship is he, he talked about when, when things like that happen. Yeah. Done. It says two friends are go. Now that that business is out of the way, let's get back to what we were talking about. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it just, it passes by. And um, because it, it, friendship holds no grudges, uh, really, uh, because there's a mutual desire for the, the betterment of the other mm-hmm. person. Going back to what Samuel said for Samuel 18.1, I think that gives us a good definition of biblical friendship, that the soul of Jonathan was knitted to the soul of David. And when you think about that closeness, that gives a biblical solution to this epidemic of loneliness to, yes. to, to the people who either because of past uh, sins and the repercussions of that will never marry or have chosen not to marry or just they're not at this time of their life. Friendship fills the, relation, the relational void. Again, we're marriage, friendship, apples to broccoli. We're comparing here, but mm-hmm. both are valuable in God's sight. And the truly lucky married couples get both a partner and a friend. Right, um, right. And so it's incredibly important. And, and honestly, a lot of men just don't have it, either because, you know, they get married and then wrapped up with wife and kids and they just don't have time. You know, the, the author spoke of a story that, you know, he finally got one of the men in the church he attended to come to the men's Bible study breakfast. And, you know, normally the, the, the study took like maybe 45 minutes, an hour, but the breakfast did last at three hours because afterwards the men are all talking, engaging and doing what friends do. And the guy came up to him afterwards and almost kind of choked up. He says, if I knew this is what I was missing all these years, mm-hmm. I would have come a long time ago. Yes. But it's being able to, men need, everybody needs friends that they can just relate to that. And I, I want to especially emphasize this. If there's any young preachers or preachers at all who listen to this, it's very hard to do. So when you do find one, you hold on to that person. Yes. Uh, oftentimes it, it goes back and forth on this from older preachers have heard. Some men can find their wife and sometimes the wife knows everything the preacher does. You know, that can be fine. Sometimes it's not the best because you don't want to be unfairly dumping on your wife. Again, I'm saying this as a young single bachelor here, but that's a conversation each preacher and his wife needs to have of whether or not she needs to be that confidant. But preachers need friends. Yes. And, and they need somebody that they can vent to because 
preaching is a high stress, high burnout job. And if, if you separate yourself from friends and you hide in your office all the time, you're not going to be effective for long because one, you're, you're pinting all that up. And secondly, you've, you have removed yourself from wise counsel. Devotion to God pours out into our relationships and we need good godly friends like Jonathan and David um, because those are going to be some of the most enriching relationships we're going to ever experience in this life. And they're vital for our growth as Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as I've found out recently, a good friend of mine, we're, you know it's a good friendship because when you can go to talk about your hobbies and in the same breath you go from hobbies to uh, the depths of scripture and how does you know these biblical principles apply and um, I like to call them driving Bible studies is what happens now we'll be out on town and it just naturally flows into that so this concludes part two of this conversation that I had with Brendan Ashby preacher at the Tucson Church of Christ in Arizona and I learned a lot. I hope you learned a lot. Super into friendships. That's really why we did this nomad quest was to go out and meet a bunch of new friends and reacquaint ourselves with old friends just to develop growth within ourselves and also to hopefully be a benefit to others as we go around the country. So part three is going to be on the topic of of guarding our hearts from idols, keeping ourselves from idols. And of course, by that, we're going to be talking about all those things that want to sneak in and bump God at a first place in our hearts and our time and our lives. So keeping God as our first love. I'm looking forward to sharing part three with you.